At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone had a nice, long, enjoyable three-day weekend. Spencer Israel, Joel Khan, and Dennis Dick, we are back in the saddle this morning. And man, did we get news over the weekend. There's drama in OPEC land. There's drama over in China and uh, regulations and cybersecurity questions and about Didi and all these other companies. Uh, a lot to get to on today's show. We'll probably start with Didi. We'll get into oil. Uh, we'll get into this craziness happening in AHT this morning. Uh, so a lot to get to on today's show. Two guests on as well. Michelle Krebs is our first guest today at 8.35. She is a senior uh, director of automotion, uh, automotive relations at uh, Cox Automotive and executive analyst at Auto Trader. She will break down the delivery numbers we got last week from all the automakers. And at 9, I'll be joined by Blue Putnam, who is the managing director and chief economist at the CME Group, to help us break down Friday's jobs number. Uh, okay, Joel, good morning. How are we doing this morning? How was your weekend? And how are we doing in the pre-market session? Oh, we are exactly where we opened at 6 a.m. last night. Okay. Uh, Forty or Sunday night, mate. That is uh, 41.50. Uh, we matched that high for Friday. Uh, the real low is not 36.75. We traded down to 43.33. Uh, that was on Sunday night and Monday as well. So we're flat. Um, just got to get through uh, 4348. Uh, crude OPEC doing their job and they're just not they're not increasing supply. Boom, up 77 cents at 75.93 gold. That was an undercut and rally back over 1800 up 2760 at 181110. Silver knocking on the door of 27. Up 31 cents at 26.81 and a half. You have Bitcoin, Bitcoin quiet, up 575 at 33.860. 
And Ethereum, that's going the same way. That's up 9%, though, at $190 at $22.98. Triple D, how was the weekend? Did you get the boat out? Boom, boom, boom. All of the above, yeah. Did a little boating. That was nice three days. I didn't, you know, by the time you get to Monday, you're like having withdrawal from the markets, though. So you're like trying to like, oh, what's, you know, happening in Canada? And you're looking and it's like, ah, there's not too much to trade in Canada. So I don't know. It was, uh, it's a good weekend, though. Had a lot of fun doing some boating, family time. That yeah, was good. Okay. All right. Well, and, uh, the, and the Montreal Canadiens with a big win last they night. They did a win so, last night. Oh, they, they you know what? Swept, that so. was, uh, that game was over. I mean, Tampa Bay is one of the best power plays in the league. They get the four-minute power play with a minute to go in the game. That's going to take it into overtime. And there was just no urgency on that power play whatsoever. I'm like, they got it. Like, these guys are down and out. You're like, this is it. Like, finish them from the karate kid. Like, finish them when they're down like that. And you know what? They just, like, just took it easy on the power play. Almost like, like they just weren't ready to win. And, you know, some people saying, oh, they want to win it at home. They want to win it whenever you can win it. You don't take chances like that. And the power play was just terrible. Four-minute power play to go. Did not look good. And immediately, basically, after the power play ends, Montreal comes down the ice. Josh Anderson, who's been a huge performer for Montreal the entire postseason and really the entire season, big game player, comes down, scores the game-winning goal. Um, he's got that great speed. So, you know, this is just you know, wow. some stocks and jocks. So we're not going to go huge into hockey. But Montreal now has belief and they now have life so they're not out of this they were out of it with one minute to go i thought that stanley cup was coming out and it obviously now it's not a new series they got a lot of work to do but tampa bay is thinking a little bit and montreal's got some belief so it could be interesting i'm gonna start calling you don cherry dennis i had no idea i got a lot of hockey analysis (laughs) there was Canadian. you have an idea hockey we like to drink some beers, and yeah. you know we take it easy, and we don't mind. You know the lockdowns. Oh, it's whatever it is. So yeah. there was right. uh, some tragedy in the hockey world. Over I know, the dude, unbelievable. Yeah. In, in Novi, Michigan. Yeah, that's the town over from us. Yeah. It's, oh my goodness. Yeah. That's probably, sorry, that's, that's couldn't that's, believe it. Sorry to hear that. That. Well, that, tell us the news. You can't just say. Uh, 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 a goaltender for the Blue Jackets. Yeah. There was like a tragic fireworks accident. Yeah. He passed away yesterday. Yeah, Pretty twenty-four horrible. years old. Horrible. Terrible. Anyway, um, so back to the markets. Lots to talk about. It's yeah. quiet in S&P land, but we have individual movers, and I guess I we start with Didi. Yeah, this, this came out Sunday. Uh, we knew that there was some sort of a, a inquiry, investigation into uh, the, the company's uh, data practices. And on Sunday, uh, China's government says to Didi, you are, we're going to take your app off the app store. Um, and <laughs> that's what happened. Actually, it's not just Didi. There, there's two other companies involved here as well. Uh, tickers YMM, Yancey, uh, um, yeah. Yankee Mary Mary, and, and, yeah. and BZ uh, are also swept up in this, in this um, yeah. investigation into uh, data collection. Um, and I guess the Wall Street Journal reported that Didi knew about this before the IPO and opted to, to proceed anyway. Uh, Didi said they didn't know about this. So who you believe there, I'm not quite sure. Um, but anyway, uh, you've got broad-based weakness here across the board, and that's your catalyst is Didi getting removed from the App Store a week after the IPO. Just wow, insane. 
insane. So, yeah. so we had a tweet over the week. We, Benzinga on Twitter had a, just a, a short survey, uh, a poll, if you will. Where will DD open on Monday, on Tuesday at 930? That was the question. We don't know um, the answer yet, then. If it's we do not know the answer. We do not. But the winning, uh, the, the, the response with the most uh, responses was below $10 is what the people voted. And 62% said below $10. Well, we're not quite there yet. Show us this pre-market chart, Joel, because for whatever reason, I know. Dad, I'm, I'm, I guess that opening know about, bar is wild, but you're saying this thing trade up in the 14 handle at 4 a.m. I say I don't know where it's going to open at 9.30, but uh, if you read Triple, D, uh, Triple D's Twitter uh, over the weekend, and you got it. Like, I, I, well, you weren't be buying 14, but ho- there was some opportunity there, and I thought for sure, Dennis, you would be rolling out of bed. Combing no your hair, putting your makeup on, and uh, early for the show, doing your makeup early for the show. Uh, but yeah, the thing <laughs> opened it. And my hair. Yes. <laughs> 14.50 went to 14.90, and this is a 15-minute chart. But on the five-minute chart, it went to 10.90 and bounced. All on the opening bar. Five minutes. I, I could go quicker than Look five Look at that minutes. range on that opening bar. One. Who's paying $14.90 for this? They just removed it from the app store. You're telling me it's only going to go down uh, like 2% on that? 3% on that? That's just that's just dumb money. There's, There's the four-minute. Let's go to the three-minute. Uh, the three-minute. I got to go far. Three minutes? Do you think it happened in two minutes, Dennis? Let's go I don't to the know. T- I, I can actually go to the, te- the tape. You want me to see the tape and actually see oh, the Oh, I can trades? go to two-minute. I'm and going to the tape myself. I can't show my. There's screen, two minutes. But... One minute. Did it happen in one minute? You would have had to been really quick. You might have been a little groggy. Here, here it really. is. So you want to know there's some size too. So right in the 4 a.m. bar. One minute. So on, yeah. This is. Oh, wow. No, not even one. Okay. So in the opening 4 a.m. Because the stock opens at 4 a.m. Um, there is so many shares trading on all different exchanges. So you got Edge. Traded eight thousand shares, fourteen eighty five. Eight thousand oh. shares trade up there. Who's buying that at fourteen eighty five? More edge, five thousand, one thousand, thirty nine hundred. That's up to fourteen nine. Then another twenty thousand at fourteen eighty five. Who's buying? Who is that? That's a big order. Twenty thousand shares, all at four a.m. zero zero. This all. And there's another forty nine hundred. Another three thousand. This is the first time I'm going through it. Fifteen hundred. So there's a pile, a pile of shares traded, and then it starts just you know tanking. Still at 4 a.m., like not even trade a second. It's down to 14.30. This is all just in the opening second. 14, 14.10, 14.01, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 14.00, 
Um, but you know, we know the buy the dip mentality of this market. They're not going to take things down that far. And let's, you know, look at it here. I mean, it's taken off the app store, which is bad news. If it gets put back on the app store, it could get a lot of this back immediately. So obviously we know they're in not good shape with the regulators right here, right now, but if they put them back on the app store tomorrow or next week or next month, a lot of those losses could come back. Do you think that's going to happen? We don't, the way we don't know. Baba you, things, you, have, you have no idea. We have no yeah. idea what's going to happen. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, at this point in time, you know, that's the, that's the bull case scenario is that this goes back on the app store. The bear case scenario is that the regulators hit them harder. So this is all regulatory. We don't know what the next headline coming out of China is going to be on. So it's pretty much impossible to predict the stock flow. But I will say, when they remove your app from the app store and you're an app-based company, That's it's bad. not good news. You That's don't want to buy it at 1490, you know, at 4 a.m. Wait for it to dip. Now, 1260, 12 bucks. Okay, I can see it. And and you know, and, and it's it's a guessing game. I mean, you know, as to really what this is worth at this point in time. You can take numbers and do valuations, but I mean, if they don't allow them back on the app store, it's worth a hell of a lot less. But I, I'd, I'd imagine eventually they're going to get back on the App Store, but we don't know anything. This is China. This is not the U.S. Yeah, so still- anything can happen over there. Chinese regulation can be very, very strict. So, so that's a crazy opening bar and lesson learned to the 4 a.m. traders. If you're so excited to buy the dip at 4 a.m., make sure it has the dip before you start buying. Because you put your order out there at 15 bucks and you think, oh, I might get 13 You get fourteen ninety. You're crying here right now because you're already down $2.40 on very, very bad headline. And then just, I mentioned it before, but uh, it's not just DV here. I'm talking YMM and I'm talking BZ. And also Chad is quick to the quick to note that Uber has a 12% stake in DD. So Uber is down this morning as well uh, with this with this headline. So it's not just DD, uh, Uber, YMM, BZ also in play here this morning uh, as it relates to this entire story of, uh, I guess, concerns over where they store their user data, whether it's in the U.S. or, yeah. or, or, or uh, otherwise. Um, but I guess the only level you have, Joel, is a pre-market low. What is that? Give us that. Uh, it was right around $11. Uh, let me All see. Right. So that's that's how you know I look and trade these things. Yep. If I'm going to trade, I'm probably not going to trade it, but I would be looking at that pre-market 10.90 so 10.90 10. is a big level for this stock so is it go down there and test it today it might it's a long ways trade a lot of volume mm, 16 does it feel like it's it. gonna wait for the next headline it's gonna be really choppy until it gets the next headline and you know if the next headline's positive and the app goes back on the app store the thing will rip higher if they hit them harder and they decide you know okay well we're gonna start you know for the people who have already downloaded can't use the app anymore that would be terrible headlines so we don't know what chinese regulator is going to do with the company um, we don't know the intentions here. We know they say it's about data. It might be about something else, but you know that's not for us to speculate. We won't go there. In any case, this is not the only headline out of China this morning because if you look at WB, pretty much all of China is down except for WB, which yeah. is blasting off here. Yeah. Um, and the chairman of the company, Charles Chow, uh, is uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently uh, in talks with uh, uh, to maybe take the company private. Uh, in doing so, would also facilitate uh, an exit for Alibaba. Charles Chow is, I said, the chairman. He's the company's largest shareholder. Uh, a takeover bid would be between ninety and a hundred dollars per share. That's and, what the uh, rumor is saying. Yeah, that's what the 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 rumor is that he would take it at night. At, he would take it private at ninety to hundred dollars per share. Um, and that's all we've got here. It's just a rumor that the founder yeah. wants to take it private. 
well, coin flip at this point in time because you've got 20 points upside if it is between 90 and 100, or you got 20 points of downside if this rumor doesn't yeah. materialize to be anything. It is just a rumor right now, folks. There's nothing confirmed here. So, and we have seen, you know, this is a rumor coming from the chairman of the company or something or somehow coming from there um, in China. So, I mean, it's it's tough because we don't know in different regulations we over know there. Nothing. We, know we know nothing here. So this could just be a tactic to get your stock higher. It could be real. We don't. We can't say if this is real, this isn't real. This is the rumor that's coming out. Um, I'm not saying the rumor isn't real. I'm saying we don't know if this actually bit is going to happen. So if you're paying up 22 bucks for this, there's a lot of risk. A lot of risk here. I personally wouldn't wait around for the last 15 points here. I'd take the bird in the hand and sell it. But that's just me. That's just my opinion. Not telling you what to do. I'm saying if I was in this thing, it was up 22 points on a rumor that the chairman might take it over. I mean, we saw this with Best Buy multiple times going back six, seven what years ago. What was that guy's name? Yeah. I uh, can't Schultz. Oh, Schultz. Excellent. There you go. Yeah. Schultz wow. was going to take it private and Best Buy would pop up and then uh, and they couldn't get the financing. They wanted to take it go down a little bit more and, oh, I'm going to take it private and wouldn't get the financing. It kept leaking. It was back in like 2012, 2013, 2014. Um, and it never did materialize. So chairman's loved his talk, big talk, and say, yeah, I'm going to take my company private. Sometimes it materializes. A lot of times it doesn't. I, I would lean more. I don't think this materializes. It's just my opinion. It might happen, but I don't think it's going to happen. That's why it sells stock. You be putting a pretty good discount on it right now. So if you just wanted, you know, what you wanted, 90 to 100, and the high was 81.55, if you just want a basic. You got to 81. 8155. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, you know what? There's money to be made shorting on these some of the times. So you get 81. Okay. Well, you got another nine points where they're talking. Is it even real? You know, we don't even know if it's real at this point in time. Yeah. This is just isn't a tactic to get your stock price high. We don't know. You know, this might be very real. He might get the money together, but you're paying 81. You got nine points upside. Your downside there is like three to one downside. So even at 76, I feel like it's almost like two to one downside here you're losing 22 maybe you're up 15 at this point in time man i'd ring the register if i was in it i wish i was in it and i'd sell but that's so me. people are stuck too you know you didn't have this until that rip up to 81 now people are like scratching their head oh i bought it 80 oh i well, went to 81 a lot of people bought it there there's a lot of people that are making money on this i think you're going to see profit takers i agree here. I agree. And plus the selling in case the people that got in a little on the headline a little bit late thinking, oh, I'll just sell it. At, I'll get out there at eighty nine ninety nine. Nope. Eighty one fifty five high. So me and Joel are bearish at seventy six. We'll, we'll go on the record that we're bearish at seventy six. That is just our opinion. I, I, it is our opinion. One, one thing I factor in though is like you, you talk about having the money, right? Having the financing in China, it's probably a little bit easier than that, right? You just snap your fingers. And the money appears somewhere. If the right? state's involved. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 So yeah, if the money. state actually is involved. All right. Last piece of news today out of China. Uh, there's a merger on the table between Huya and Douyu, ticker H-U-Y-A and D-O-Y-U. And the Chinese government has blocked that merger. So H-U-Y-A, D-O-Y-U, both. Kind of running the show here this I morning. I know. We've got a lot of headlines. I know. <laughs> 
both these stocks have been absolute dogs. I don't even know what to say. Like you think when we were trading, you remember like Spinner? Remember when we were trading like IQ and Billy and HUIA oh, yeah. five was, years ago? And was, they were all moving together. It was the summer of 2018, I think. IQ and Hua turned out to be the dogs, and Billy <laughs> turned out to be the star because they were all around the same price, like 15, 20 bucks, and then a lot of them ran to 25, 30, 40. I know I had a double on IQ from 20 to 40. Yeah. It was a really good one. Um, that was just momentum riding on those things. Man, the BILI one, if you held on to that one, though, that one was the best one. And it actually ran up to $157 back there in October. So separation happening. Those three stocks were all kind of always trading together. Hua, Billy, and IQ. Billy ended up being the winner. There's a couple more, too. SINA, um, WB, which we just talked about, though. Yeah. Um, and, and Is SINA still around? Yeah, Tina's still around. Yeah, we don't talk about it anymore. My chart but... didn't come up. S I N A. Is that the symbol? What? Isn't it? Or... Yeah. Cena's gone. Oh no, no, Cena's gone. Cena's gone. 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 Cena was with was with the Weibo. Right, right, right. Okay, so let's move on here. Um, you want to talk oil? Or you want to talk Ashford Hospitality Trust? <laughs> let's go AHT. We're getting all the big headlines gone here okay. right now. AHT. Meme stock. This was a meme stock as well. Meme stock. Ooh. Okay, yeah. give us. Give us time. Yeah, this, it, this this is just unbelievable, really. I've got a lot of thoughts here. If you if you take away DD, uh AHT would be the, the number one stock on my down filter this uh, this morning, down twenty-six percent. Uh they announced on Friday a well, after the close, a one for the old the old Friday after the close of a holiday weekend news dump. A one, I was gonna say I don't even think it was a news dump though, but go. I have thought, a lot of thoughts on this. Okay. They announced a one for ten reverse stock split on Friday at four o'clock. Go and show the CEO's tweet now. The CEO is active on Twitter and he tweets, and I don't understand what he's thinking here. Um, this is just my opinion, but we'll read the tweet here. We're showing it from Rob Hayes. Sure. It says, after the close today, HT announced that its board approved a one for 10 reverse split effective after the close July 16th. By doing so, we are attempting to address several concerns that we hear from investors, including, next tweet, some funds can't hold stocks below $5. Okay. Some brokers prohibit or, ch- or charge higher cost to margin sub five stocks. Okay. 250 options. Most trading commissions are based on number of shares. Okay, okay, well, we'll give them that. But here's where it starts to get really interesting. We are hopeful that this reverse split, particularly on the heels of our recent addition to the various Russell indexes, can help increase incremental demand for AHT stock and options. One, there's not a lot of reverse splits that are seen you know, well by the market. Usually a reverse split, the stock goes down because they're taking away shares from you. It's usually you know, doing this when companies are, you know, if their price is too low, maybe he wants to get it back above five, but very shocking that he would think that this is going to increase incremental demand for your stock. A, a split increases incremental demand. Typically a reverse split does not do that. Usually the stocks get hit hard on reverse splits. I've traded reverse splits for years. There's probably, I, I don't know, I feels like nine out of 10 times when a stock announces a reverse split, the stock goes down. So interesting that he would see it that way. Second, bring up the tweet again here. I just have one concern is, aren't you, if you're the CEO, supposed to be worrying about, you know, running the company? You're supposed to be about, you know, increasing, you know, incremental demand for your stock by fundamentally doing good things for the company. Why is he worrying about trying to get the price higher? Why is he worrying? We want to get the help increase incremental demand for AHT stock and options. He's trying to drive the price up. Why are you trying to drive the price up? 
Don't worry about driving the stock price up. Worry about running the company in a good fundamental way, and the stock price will take care of itself. I mean, so that's you know, my two concerns. Is one, I don't know why you think a reverse split would jack the price up, and two, why you're trying to jack the price up. That's how I read that. Maybe other people are reading it differently. Um, I do get the thing when the stocks below five dollars, a lot of stock times they're not marginable. But just you know, create wealth for the company by running the company in a good way, and the stock price will look after itself. That's maybe my fundamentals talking. Maybe you shouldn't have your CFA hat on anymore. But that's how I've kind of learned it. So I'm not sure why I was trying to jack the the price up in the first place. Look, we historically speaking, CEOs would would generally shy away from talking directly about their stock price, right? Um, that's the old they, days. Oh, that's right. the old days, and now they're not. Like right. this that's- meme stocks, and and they're they're and they're and they're talking their stock prices. They, 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 the, the real professional CEOs don't talk their stock prices. Like you get on CNBC, they don't talk about. They like they'll they'll say the textbook's answer is. Well, I can't control the stock price, but I can control the company. And, you know, and that and that's what you want to hear from a CEO. I don't want to hear you trying to, you know, get the price of your stock higher. I don't want to hear that if I'm an investor. I want to hear that you're trying to improve the company and then the stock price will go higher if you improve the company. That's what I want to hear as an investor. So I don't like that. I don't like that tweet at all. Especially like, you know, cheap tricks that like a reverse split, which will get the stock price higher, but not well, no, it won't. Not that's long. the whole problem. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. why. So even the trick that he, if it's not, I don't know if it's a trick, but you know, just saying financial engineering, as Joel would say, you know, your tr- if 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 your intentions was to get your stock price higher, one, why do you have those intentions? Two, the reverse split is not going to help that. Yeah. So I mean, that's multiple concerns here with this. Um, you know, GE was doing it for different reasons, but they're not trying to like. I I, I just don't know what the intentions here were. And that's my concern was the way the tweet was written. It sounded like it had intentions to try to push my stock price higher. And I don't think a CEO should have intentions. I don't think a CEO should worry about the stock price. So I've kind of said my point. I think mean, it's just run the company while the stock price will take care of itself. Yeah, that's not, my thoughts. Not, not too my much. Opinion. Just yeah, my opinion. Not too much to say about this one. I'll just give you the pre-market low of 271. And uh, the stock has been in a downtrend since July of 2019. Or excuse me, of 2018. They invest in um, expensive hotel properties. So I don't know what their game plan is. I don't know why they didn't recover with the other hotels, but uh, well, so they, they do also have some data, some news out this morning. They announced uh, their revenue per available room uh, was uh, a little over $91 in June, which is even though, yeah, but they have a bunch of available rooms is the problem. Right, right. Hold on. So, yeah. so ninety-one twenty-seven uh, revenue per available room up year over year, obviously, right? But actually down thirty-seven percent versus June twenty nineteen. Um, so you still haven't quite recovered Disaster. all the way from uh, from from pre-COVID. It was one hundred twenty dollars. It's two bucks. It's a lot, or it's an option. At this point in time, the stock is an option. You know, maybe it's gonna, maybe they're gonna turn the company around. I hope he does. You know, I hope he starts focusing on the company's performance and not so much on, you know, his stock price. And maybe this company will turn around eventually. I don't follow the company at all from a fundamental basis. I just say it's tough. When stock goes from one hundred twenty dollars to two or three, a lot of times they continue the road down to the pennies. Now, maybe this is gonna be the winner. Maybe this is gonna turn it around. Um, this was also a meme stock talked in social media a lot, talked up in social media a lot. That kind of bubble has kind of burst here too. So, um, is this capitulation downside capitulation where everybody washes out? Maybe you got lots of support in the two handle. That's where you were down in April and May. So, um, but you know, that's, 
I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. This tough, tough stock to trade. Hey, go for the W with, with a good point. You want to boost your stock price? Do some insider buys, right? Yeah. <laughs> put, your that helps. Where, put your money where your mouth is, right? The insider buys help huge. When you see, yeah. you know, CEOs coming in and that is the way, if you want to boost your stock price, but you know, that's because you're betting, you know, like, like there, you know, when you get these insider buys, like we said, you know, when you have insider sales, there's lots of reasons insiders sell, you know, maybe divorce, want to build a big house, buy a yacht, lots of reasons to sell stock. Only one reason to buy it. So when you're seeing, you know, companies come in and we've been talking about rig. I mean, this, the, I don't know if it's a CEO, but there has been an insider buyer in rig that has been going on here for the for about a month. Look to the Benzinga Pro and show all these insider buys in rig. So I, and I, is it the CEO? I'm just trying to grab it. Some director, this director bought. So if, show it there, Spencer. Yeah, one second, I'll pull it up. He's bringing it up. But over the course of the last month, there has just been so many insider buys in rig, and it's not coincidental that this stock price continues to go up. I mean, oil has been going up, so that obviously helps. So it is somewhat coincidental, but at the same time, this stock has really been ripping higher. There are a lot of insider buys. Somebody thinks this company is turning around, and these are big buys, like five million shares, two million shares, like serious buying by insiders. In this rig. this Perestroika guy, um, or gal. I have no position in rig. Yeah, um, but. I, I'm, you know, I'd be biased to buy as opposed to sell because all these insider buys. So here in the last three weeks, Paris crazy Tro- amount. Paris Troika. Every other night. Two, three, four, five, five. Million shares. Yeah. Five million shares. Two million shares. That's what you want to see. You want to see insiders putting their money where their mouth not is. Reverse they are splits. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> What's that, Joel? I said not reverse splits. Not reverse splits. Insider buys. This is what, you know, putting your money where your mouth is. I like to see this. I'm impressed. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Transocean, but I'm a big fan of executives that put their money where their mouth is. We know Aubrey McClendon was another one that was buying his stock on merge, and he believed in Chesapeake so much. It didn't work out for Aubrey. Uh, but at least, you know, he was like, I'm all in on my company. I love seeing that, you know, that the company that's all the skin is in the game. All he so believed so much, he bought his stock on merge. That took some guts. It didn't work yeah. out for him, but it yeah, took some it really guts. Didn't work. And you're uh, buying millions of shares here of rig. I mean, that takes some guts. So that's what you want to see is insider buying. I like that a hell of a lot better than somebody trying to do a reverse split and thinking that's going to drive your price. Trade up it up. Trade it up to five forty five, folks. This is a thick stock, and it trades a lot of volume. So you know, you just think about that pop. I mean, it's good news and stuff. But how many shares it trades? takes to move that you know during What's a regular thick? session it's thick and then you know if you were patient say hey i just want to buy the top of yesterday's range like i don't want to i'm afraid of a gap it traded down to 508 509 and the top of that gap was 513 so actually the close was uh 508 and it went to 508 so i don't know if you're going to get back down there again and it'll take a little work to get it back up to uh 545 but you're clearing that five dollar threshold on Good it's for a big rig. number. Yeah, they, they got their stock over. So the AHTCO trying to talk about getting my stock over five bucks. Here's how you do it: insider buys. They got this thing up over, and oil going up helps. I mean, Let's yeah, why is oil it? going up? It does. That, that's the elephant in the room here. We're not. Yeah, yeah it does go. help. So, but the insider buys help too. People take note of that, and I it makes you believe more in the company. I'm like, when I see insider buys multiple, not just like ten thousand shares. Sometimes you see these stocks. Somebody buys like ten thousand shares at two bucks. I mean, that's twenty grand. 
you know so you know maybe that's just trying to like oh, i'm trying to make a statement but you're not really making a statement they're not putting serious money in there ceo of a company making millions of dollars putting twenty thousand bucks in a stock ceo of a company but or, or or executives buying five million shares of four bucks buying 20 million worth that's a statement how about that broadcom news uh and that came out on friday right intraday the broadcom news yeah knocked they, it from 476 yeah the 456 FTC. The FTC has launched uh, uh, an investigation. They're saying Broadcom is a monopoly or has engaged in monopolistic practices. There's a big difference between, um, you know, that happening here and that happening in China. Um, So (laughs) they're typically, when you see these monopolistic, oh, Facebook's a monopoly or we're going to do any, when you get an AVGO and it knocks off 20 bucks because, you know, they're going to, a challenge, you know. Yeah, they're going to I think it's more of a buying opportunity. Happening in China, I wouldn't buy it. Happening here, I, I think you buy the dip on those. So, AVGO, I think that's a gift. I don't think it's going to even go back down there 455. But, you know, you never know. There may be another headline gives you another chance. Typically, those headlines are buy the dip opportunities, at least in the U.S. Well, also, uh, sorry, go ahead, Spence. No, no, I was going to say, you know, we're coming off of a, you know, the, the, the FTC just, just got, you know, just it's coming off a, a resounding defeat, right? Facebook just that case got thrown out, right? The FTC yeah. versus Facebook. So, um, you know, government antitrust regulation not exactly at its strongest right now. Um, so maybe every time you, and especially because it is the FTC in this case charging charging Broadcom, you know, you you remember what just happened with Facebook, and you think, okay, they're going to have to refile. Not in the best position, you know, not not as strong as they as they once were. The you know maybe just shrug this one off. Uh, I can't tell. I know. I know. Dennis is interpreting the news and everything, and I can't. I mean, obviously, four fifty six. That was a great, you know, great level, great buy the dip opportunity. But when I look at this chart, and it just jumps out at me, and there's such a clear area of resistance here. And I don't know what the news is, how this is going to play out. But just look at that. At the let's just call it four seventy eight fifty. You had all those highs there. You filled the little gap when it when it came off here. I mean, you don't have one. You don't have two. You have about six, seven highs in that area. So if you're if you're long Broadcom or short or whatever, just keep an eye on level because I think the longer and it's seven, eight bucks away from there. I think the longer it takes, and I, I don't know about the news. I don't know about the antitrust. I don't know if yeah. they're a monopoly. What I do know is that that's a huge level, and there's big sellers in it, and it's still seven bucks away. So that's not going to do much for you on a day trade. But if you're a long term holder of this one, I would keep an eye on that for seventy eight fifty. All right, it is eight thirty four. Let's bring on our guest now. First Let's guest of the day, Michelle Krebs, uh, senior director of automotive relations at Cox Automotive, executive analyst at Auto Trader, breaking down some fundamental numbers for us. We got deliveries last week for the month of June and some of the major players. Michelle Krebs, good morning. Thank good you morning. for joining us. How how are we doing? Good. How was your how was oh, your slow week? getting back from the holiday weekend, but yes. we're getting there. Yes, how was your holiday weekend? Hope you it was it. great. It was great. Felt normal. Y- yeah. I, thought, good. I, thought, I was the only person in Michigan not to get out on, on a lake this weekend. So uh, No, we, I joined I wasn't either. Okay. So. Okay. Good. Okay. That makes me feel a little better. All right. <laughs> uh, Michelle Krebs, at a high level here, uh, what should our takeaways be from from the delivery numbers we got last week? Uh, Well, June sales sort of hit the wall as we had anticipated they would because of really low inventories and very high prices. 
So we'd been kind of anticipating when is that month that that's going to happen? And it did. So the I think the SAR finally came in at 15.4 million. It, of course, that was far better than last year. It was 13 million. But, you know, we had a 17 million May. We had an 18 plus million um, April. So um, it's not as good as it was. It's kind of the frenzy's over. And now people are realizing maybe the vehicle they want isn't out on the lot. And if it is, they're going to pay a very high price. But where, where does that leave us? Like at what stage of the cycle are, are we in now? Well, you know, it's all about the, the chip shortage. Um, we think it's going to be a very tough summer. And in fact, all the executives we talked to last week said, you know, the summer months are going to be pretty skimpy on inventory. So right. I, I would expect we'll have tight sales. Um, hopefully it picks up. Uh, it, it, hopefully we've hit bottom, but it's still going to take some time to fill that pipeline. We've never filled the pipeline with vehicles um, since we came out of the pandemic. And consumer demand has just been amazingly strong. Michelle, uh, we've had you on the show for a couple of years now, I'd say at least at least three, four years. And, we, and, we, and we've talked about the evolution of, uh, of EVs here. And uh, now the U.S. automakers are hopping into the, to the, uh, to the market, uh, GM, Ford, making big, uh, big production shifts in the future. I mean, we've talked about this. We've talked about the infrastructure, driverless cars. You are always, uh, you know, very skeptical on, but just, let's just talk. I mean, are Ford and GM and I think what's Stellantis or Stellaris, I mean, are they, are they getting in a little bit too late to the game? Did they let Tesla and some of these Chinese automakers just get too far out in front of them too fast? So, Heavens no. If I, no. I don't think nope. they've gotten in too late. I think they're uh, getting in at about the right time. Could even be early for it. We got to have infrastructure. You know, that is the number one thing. When we talk to consumers and we survey them a lot, there are three obstacles to EV adoption in the U.S. U.S. is different than Europe and, um, and uh, China. But it's the high price. And we are, most of the vehicles like Teslas are very high priced. So it locks out a lot of people that would be interested in buying them. Um, range, which is vastly improving, and uh, but you pay for it. The more range, the you pay more for it. And infrastructure, the charging infrastructure, which would address the range issue. So, you know, if the 500,000 chargers uh, that uh, the Biden administration has proposed to get built, that could have a big impact. But it's going to take a little time for those to get uh, installed it's, if it gets passed at all. So where does this leave us going forward? It's all about the chip shortage, as you said. Uh, eventually, I would hope that we're going to come out of that, whether it's next and late this year or, or so, someone said next year, most likely. When we come out of this chip shortage and, and we can get more inventory back on these lots, th then what? Th th then what do we expect? Obviously, we expect sales to go up, but like, what, in what way? What kinds of sales? Well, we anticipate uh, continued strong retail demand. Um, you know, people had money they saved up. They didn't go out to eat. They didn't, um, sorry, uh, they didn't, uh, you know, go traveling. Uh, so they've got some money stored up. Um, so we anticipate that and, and employment's getting better. All the, the economic signals are improving. So we anticipate there will be strong retail demand. The other thing that people forget is 
the fleet aren't fleets have been pretty much out of the market. The automakers are not really selling to the daily rental companies because it's not as profitable a business, but that's kind of a pressure valve. When, when we get some inventory that they'll start addressing that, um, you know, we're seeing they'll start, uh, they are selling some to commercial fleets, but it's way below what it was. So I anticipate fleet buying next year and, and fulfilling a lot of those orders will buoy sales. I, I, on that note of, of the the rental car companies, uh, how much did, did those companies, you know, in, in offloading a lot of their inventory last year, how much that did, uh, did that screw with like the natural order of, of the used car market? Cause they just offloaded all their, all their cars. Cause they, they didn't know if they were going to need them and they needed the cash. Well, it depends on you, how you look at it. Um, when we came, when we, when the pandemic hit, you saw all that offloading of vehicles. There was a huge supply of used vehicles, depressed prices. Everybody, oh, you know, this is terrible. Well, then the used car market actually accelerated faster than the new car market. And, and now we're in the same shortage of used cars. And the rental car companies are out there buying used cars. So it has changed the dynamics. But, um, uh, you know, very strong used car sales, very strong used car pricing. If you had to buy a new car now or a used car now, what would you buy? I think I'd probably hold off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, buy you sell or hold. Well, I would wait till fall to, to, you know, I don't know that what I want's even out on the lot. So okay. um, I would wait till there's more inventory out there and okay. you know, prices come down um, a bit. Th thoughts on any of the the uh, the latest launches? We had the Lightning, the electric F one fifty. Got got a new a new Ford Bronco. Uh, new models, new EV models coming out from the traditional automakers. Do you have any thoughts on, on any of those and any expectations for for for, for how they could uh, how they could enter the market in terms of sales? Well, you know the Ford Lightning looks pretty good. That's not till next year. We have to remember right. it hasn't launched yet. Um, uh, you know, General Motors has got the Cadillac Lyric that will be coming out uh, and the the Hummer. Of course, you know, those are going to be very expensive vehicles. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there, are, there are a number of them. And I think we're going to see a wider array of the kinds of vehicles, for example, more SUVs. You remember Tesla came out with cars and all the EVs were cars. That wasn't what people were buying. They were buying SUVs. So we're going to see a lot more SUVs, a wider uh, uh, range of prices, sizes, styles. Um, so I, th I think it'll be pretty exciting to see who does win. Looking at it, uh, just, you know, forward looking here, you know, with the pandemic, the slowdown in sales uh, over the next year. I mean, do you think when you do these year to year comparisons and I mean, the, obviously the share prices have appreciated a lot. Do you think they're just maybe too high expectations are being being built in for this to continue because you had the you know the artificial event and people couldn't buy cars they couldn't go places do you think you know do you really think there's been that much of a, a shift in demand that will hold us through or do you think it's just uh, been a little artificial because of the pandemic are you talking about evs or the total market the total market Oh no, we think there's very strong demand. We but but in, inventory is what's going to hold it back. We just okay. upped our forecast for this year at 16.5 million. If you remember, not last year, but the five years preceding that, we had 17 million years. But we think inventory is going to be the problem that hold, holds the market back. 
And as far as like, you know, worker shortages, I know we're coming across that in several industries. I know the auto industries offer, you know, pretty good hours and benefit stuff. Is that something that, uh, you know, may a little, you know, may be a little hiccup for the auto companies or do they still have a, a great line of, uh, uh there's know, labor? No, there's, the, there are shortages. I think, uh, I, I, I heard about, uh, you know, some, the temporary workers don't make the same wages as the UAW workers. So there's a big pressure to, to up the, the uh, finances of those. Um, and on the dealership side, we just finished a dealer uh, survey on uh, staffing and they're very short of uh, people. Um, and also they're, they're starting to look for different kinds of people, especially as we move into um, the EV market, more, you know, Apple uh, genius types of people. Yeah. Okay. And uh, speaking of Apple and, uh, you know, Google for years talked about it. Do you see, do you see a, a new player, you know, coming in from, from the tech companies or you think we're just, like you said, you know, Tesla's set to standard U.S. auto companies. Do you see any, uh, the potential for any upstart technology companies to come here and uh, steal some market share? Uh, I don't know if they'll steal market share, but we certainly are seeing some interesting relationships develop, especially I think to to watch China. You know, the tech companies, the telecom companies are uh, partnering with some of the uh, auto companies. Um, so I think that's an interesting development. Apple, we keep still hearing about, oh, they've got an EV coming, maybe 2024. I don't know. It's it, They're so quiet about it. And uh, we've been hearing about it so long and beginning to get skeptical. But, you know, maybe... Well, well, Michelle, watch China has been the theme of today's show. So that's <laughs> yeah. to end up. Yes. Michelle Krebs, uh, Director of Automotive Relations at Cox Automotive and Executive Analyst at Auto Trader. Uh, always appreciate your insights. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. Uh, while we were on with Michelle there, uh, Weibo came out and said, denied to that takeover rumor that we just oh. had a half. <laughs> well, Joel, we had a pretty good call there. We'll no, give we don't make any good calls, We'll give ourselves credit for this one. 70. No, we're just saying, no, nah. no, we got to pat ourselves on the back. We made a good call. We made a good call. No, I know. We, we both went on the record 76 bucks bearish. It's literally 10 <laughs> minutes, 20 minutes after we said that the thing's at 60. So that's 16 points. I'm going to say that was a good call because everybody's quick yeah. to point out my bad calls. So I'll say that was That's a good, good call. One. I know. I know. This is you why would... you ring the register when there is rumors on your stock. Sometimes they materialize. A lot of times they don't. A lot of times they don't get denied this quickly, but it's actually coming from Bloomberg. So just read us. Um, it's um, actually Weibo denied. Well, so it's us. interesting because so like it's not like Reuters is just some shabby rag out. Right? That's it's, true. It's Reuters. Yeah. Reuters is good. No, it doesn't mean they're always right, but you know they got they're generally pretty good. People oh. rumors you get wrong. Sometimes yeah, you get no, them wrong. Sure. You're not sure. the rumors are rumors. For exactly, so, exactly. So uh, that, and the, that's why when a stock pops forty percent on a rumor, yeah, forty percent. That's a big pop. That's a takeover premium, and it's full sometimes, you know, 40%. Sometimes more than a takeover. You got 40% lift in your stock. Don't sit around for the last five bucks. And one, don't come in hoping to get the last five bucks and buying at 81, 60. That's a quick way to just burn 30% of your money right there. The person who bought at 81 this morning on that rumor. Um, you've got to take the money and run in these cases. Don't sit around waiting for the last little bit. Um, rumors are awesome when they happen to your stock. And a lot of times they do not materialize. So here we are, fifty-four dollars to trade eighty-one this morning. Now the rumor is denied. Things back down to fifty-nine. 
I don't know if it's going all the way back to found to 54 because there'd be some people that think, okay, well, maybe with the smoke, this yeah. fire, maybe there really is something here. So they might pay, you know, something for it. Um, or, or they might, you know, be thinking that, you know, they're, they're going to pay a little premium just in case. But that big premium just got sucked out with one comment from obviously, and it looks like it's coming from Weibo itself. Yeah, Dennis, one trick that uh, I don't know, it's not a trick, but one thing that you've talked about, we've been very consistent talking about is when you get a 90, you know, not, it was actually 90 to 100, Dennis. It wasn't, you know, it was 90 was the lower end of the range. When you see something that's supposed to go off at 90 and then it hits 81.55 and it backs off, that, you know, that wasn't us like theorizing what's going to happen. That is, that's order flow. That's money coming in, big money coming in that's yeah, sitting it's on like it's too saying, much. Like, what is this? You know? And then they, they hit the button. Now I hands off on the technicals on this one. Uh, yeah. the top of yesterday's range, uh fifty-four forty-two. You can flip a coin whether or not you're gonna see that today. Probably not. Because all the people that shorted it in here, you know, I don't know how much people short this the stock, but they'll just want to ring the register. If you got the thing you did 70, short that stock. That was took some guts, and congratulations, you deserve to be making the money you just did. It took some guts. You were short in 75, 76, 77 on it because it could go 90 on you, and boom, you get hit. It took some guts, bid, yeah. But the risk reward set up there for a short. You know, it was setting up, you know, when you get to 20, you can, like, I'm always setting up two to one, three to one risk reward at 81. Well, if you think it could potentially, you know, theoretically go off at 90, maybe it goes at 100, you know, if the rumor is even true. And now we found out the rumor is not true, and it's all just gone immediately. So, it took some guts. We were shorting the stock up there above 75. If you did, congratulations. You deserve this money you just made. Well, here's a good question from Alert, though. Uh, why wouldn't there be... Joseph, in the chat, give him some props. He shorted oh. the stock up there. We got it. One of our chat traders that did it. He says he shorted it. Show it. Good job, Joseph. Shorting is not evil. Shorting keeps market <laughs> pricing efficient. And um, and good job. You took some guts. And, you know, you just made yourself 16 bucks if you short up there. Or you said you got 72 or 73. Still good. 13 points in 20 minutes. Pretty good trade there, Joseph. I'm uh, impressed. The question from Alert, why wouldn't there be an equal and opposite reaction to the downside? Um, there is. It pretty much gave it all back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, why isn't it all the way back down to 54? I think that's the question. Okay. And I was trying to address that in a mumbled, yeah. jumbled up way there a yes. minute ago. Um, basically because there's still going to be a little out. bit of speculation yeah. that, oh, maybe there is something still here. Maybe the company's just denying because it's not done yet. Yeah. You know, there, you know, there, there's always going to be that speculation that there might be something else there. That's why they typically don't go all the way back down right away. You don't hear nothing. You hear crickets for the next week or two, and then it'll probably continue to start to leak. But you know, there it's still just a, a, a rumor, and maybe you know the company denied because it it's not done yet, or maybe they don't want people to know. You know, there could be that's what the thought process. I'm not saying that is the case, but that's why it's not giving back the last seven bucks. And, and another strategy, and I, I and um, I'll just put the caveat in there: not necessarily for uh, stock, you know, Chinese stocks, but something we've discussed over the years. When there's a pop in something, I think it was like Lorillard or when the tobaccos were taken, you know, it had the pop, and then oh, no deal, and then it came back down to that area. So if it came back down to fifty four and you know forty two, that was yeah. the high on Friday, you know. 
Now there, there you're taking much, you know, the close was 5431. You're taking much less risk. Of course, you're still banking like on, on something happening, but a lot of times, you know, like people forget about it. Yeah, you know, people are it. like, Oh, I'm just going to puke this out. This is not going to happen. It drifts mm-hmm. back down. And then that way, you know, your risk reward ratio set up a little bit better. I, I would say not necessarily, we're not talking necessarily on this company, but I'm saying that it's happened with U.S. companies as far as, you know, takeouts and mergers go over the years. It's a great point. I just want to finish with that too. M&A, you know, gives us a real chance to really analyze risk reward in the, number, in the numbers. I mean, you got a rumor 90 to 100, so you just start looking at your risk reward. And as the stock starts to approach 90, the risk reward starts to really, especially if it's just on a rumor, starts to really skew to the downside. I'm always analyzing versus risk reward. So if it started at 54 with no rumors and, you know, you're paying 76, okay, well, you're paying up almost, you know, over half of the premium that is expected from a deal on just a rumor. That's a big payup. And then it gets to 77, 78, or 80. Then it's like, okay, well, what, you know, you've got 25 points of downside if it doesn't materialize and 10 points of upside. It's actually skewed to the short side now, the risk reward. So always analyzing. You've got to look at it as a new trader. They come in, they look at trades, and they think, oh, I can make another 10 bucks. It's 81 right now. And they said it could go to 90. I'm going to buy that. If you're analyzing it in that way, you're doing it wrong. You've got to look at what can I lose? Okay, this just came from 54. It's 81 right now. If this doesn't materialize, I'm going to lose myself probably 20 points in a hurry, which you just did. Um, So look first at where your risk is and then think about your return. Think risk first, then return. Discipline, cutting the losers. That's how you stay in the game. That's how you have longevity in this industry. If you're always just looking at how much money you can make and not analyzing how much money you can lose, you will likely not survive as a trader in this industry. Great point. Uh, do we want to talk cybersecurity at all? There was another hack over there. Oh, the boy, boy, pretty, I know. pretty big one. Doesn't look like any like super major like uh, Scary. critical infrastructure companies were hit, but it, this this firm, Kaseya, I think that's how it's pronounced. I'm not quite sure. Uh, it looks like the new thing to do is to um, wiggle into a software update patch, and when the patch gets deployed, your your virus goes with it, and that's what happened here. So there's about 200 companies that we know of so far that have been hit by this attack, um, wow. and uh, a, a lot of them. I was reading over the weekend. A lot of them uh, in in Europe. Uh, it, it it seems like, but uh, anyway, FireEye is turning off this morning. A few other cyber players are off this morning as well. I would presume this this is the reason why. The cyber attack stuff is not going away, and I believe it's going to accelerate. And I do like the cybersecurity stocks for that reason. Um, they're getting paid. I mean, you know, some, in some cases, these people are getting paid they're off. They're getting paid. Get, yeah. And, and so this is going to just increase. If you start paying these people off, you're going to see more and more hacks. And especially yeah. when you've got cryptocurrency. Um, oh, yeah. It, th- this is just a setup where you're going to see more and more hacks. It, it's a scary. It's a scary situation for the whole entire, all these companies. But they're actually getting paid. I think you want to own the cybersecurity stock. So I like them all. I sold my cyber up at 155 CYBR. Um, that would be one I'm interested in. CrowdStrike is up near the highs. Palo Alto is the best of breed. Palo Alto, cyber or, or CrowdStrike. Um, those are probably good plays here too. Um, I just think that this is not going away. And if they're going to pop up every time there's a hack or a cybersecurity breach or a security breach, I think the cybersecurity stocks are good holds here right now. I think that story continues. Um, I think you're going to see more hacks. Sad, but it's, I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, who was it that just asked in chat with um, 
Uh, Clint just asked what the cybersecurity ETFs are. There's Hack is the big one. Hack and CIBR are your two big ones uh, them all. in terms of assets, but there's also Bug, B-U-G. Uh, there's also IHack, I-H-A-K. Those are, those are your... Hack. Those are your... Good sucker symbols. The BlackRock has got that iShares thing on lockdown, right? Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, so CIBR hack, iHack, and Bug are, are, are your four larger, uh, largest uh, ETFs in terms of cybersecurity. Uh, okay, let's do some ticker time here. Drop some tickers in the chat. Somebody mentioned space. We should probably keep an eye on that one this week. I did uh, the old round tripper uh, on Friday, um, or Thursday and Friday, I should say. It's back down to 45 here this morning. Anyone have thoughts on space? Uh, we gave a good call on this one too. So we've had some bad. We get some bad calls. We're right, sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes this we had precedence. We said it last time. We saw a big you pop did. up on an expected headline. It gave it all back. It did it again. So if Crazy. you're paying up fifty four, fifty five, fifty six dollars, which got up to in the pre market, fifty nine dollars got up to in the pre market. You are absolutely doing it wrong. It gave it all back. It was a good short opportunity. Um, from all the way up there. I didn't make a trade on it, but um, that was um, impressive pullback there in space. I mean, expected headline. You know, yeah. Is it, is it out of the realm of possibility that he, the first one of the first people going to go up is going to be the CEO? No. So, and you're going to pop at 25% on that or 30% at one time on that? that what a gift. week in the, yeah. Take the gifts. Take the that gifts. This that market give it and gift, it take yeah. it away. Major gift twice. They gave you the gift on the 25th. And then they gave it to you again, again on the second. So third time now, it isn't going to pop as much on the next expected headline because people have been burned twice on it. it. It'll pop again if there's another good headline. But it's tough sledding here. I think all space rallies are to be sold here now, to be honest. I think this, the the run is uh, uh, now you've got overhead supply, people getting caught here. I would not be surprised if the stock falls under 40 in the near future. That's just my opinion. Big level uh, to keep an eye on here. I mean, it did taper off, found some support. You have a pair of uh, matching lows at 43.08 and 43.19. It's interesting on Thursday that settled at the exact low of the session at 43.19 and then caught the bounce. Um, after that, Dennis, uh, you got a gap to fill the 41.58. But I mean, it's well, number one, if you're taking, you're assuming that everything's going to go perfect on this mission, uh, that it's not going to be canceled. Um, second, you're assuming Good that uh, Bezos in uh, Blue Origin, I know they're not scheduled to July 22nd, but you don't know if they're going to, uh, you know, try and up the ante in the race for space. And then, most importantly, who's kicking out 350 GER right now? You know, to sign up. I mean, not how, you. <laughs> you know, how long do you? Joel doesn't want to go to space. Yeah, no. I don't want to go to space. No, buy an extra three hundred fifty grand. I, so you. there's a lot of caveats here. Um, be careful, yeah. folks. Yeah, th- thank you, Spinner, for the reminder as well. UBS downgrading space this morning to uh, neutral. It's the third downgrade in the last two weeks on this stock. Uh, you know, um, uh, one firm. Hell yeah, man! U- they've been UBS. sticking with. Yeah. This thing was at 15 bucks at the end of May, and this thing's been a hell of a 50, run. 55. A lot of money been made in this stock. I, I think you take the money and run. Why would you, if you're an analyst and you've been sticking with this thing and, it, and you've had this kind of run, I mean, you got to, what are you looking for? 70, 80, 90? I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a good move. Sometimes I get it right. Sometimes three in a row. That's I know Bank America came out last week and they said, yeah, uh, subject to headlines. Wow. Well, they were sure right on that, but uh, yep. nice move up 66 cents right now. 1.2 million shares have traded. 
All right, guys, any any final thoughts uh, before the 9 o'clock hour and I, and I bring on Blue? Any final thoughts on, on anything? We, we My we boy, talk. Blue. Holiday what is that from? We, we, what, we, what's that from? Old school. We, we, we didn't really talk oil that much or energy. Or we did talk that. about that. At no, all. I mean, oil, you got to go back. When's the last time oil was this high? 2015? I think 2015. It's been a good oh, run. 14. 2014, I think. Uh, yeah, here, here uh, the seven year high right now. I know it's it, been a good run. I'd be booking profits, but I'd be book, I'd have been booking profits 10, 10 bucks ago in oil, maybe even 20 bucks ago in oil. So I always sell too soon. I'd still be booking profits. I just don't, maybe it's going on back to 100. Maybe it is. But we've also had a lot of commodities get hit. And you know, how much you know, like you look at lumber prices and you look at like the other commodity trades have come off. Oil has yet to really come off. So I don't know. Maybe it's come off a bet, but. All right. I'll let you guys take it away with uh, Blue there. I'm going to hop off premarketprep.com and cover some real stocks that we didn't get to cover today. Oh, wait. And, and a Daniel, lot of Daniel's asking about the AMC lunch bet. Uh, it's not over yet. You oh, know wait. what? I like your. I like you better now than you know I like you on Friday. Is it, is it bottom to 47? Is that what you're saying? The, the, the undercut and rally trick is right there in AMC. And you know what? It, I was looking really good because I said 40. But what is 40 and 67? 40 and uh, that's it. So it's basically right back to where we made the bet. But the, the difference is we had the big sell-off and the buyers just emerge again. And we didn't spook a lot of sellers. So... That makes me think you're in, and they did have a headline today too. Um, yeah, they're, they're, oh, they're not going to do an offering. Or yeah, whatever. so that's good news too. I mean, that's uh, don't do an offering. That's good news. You know, reverse splits. Uh, yeah. so no. <laughs> anyway, um, I like you a little bit better here. Obviously, I'm still not getting out of the bat. I'm not pulling the bat, but if I could, I probably would at this it, point in time. So I like you better now than I liked it. Um, then, then I liked your your side. Obviously, when I took the bet on Friday, it went down, and you know what? Buyers came right back up. I thought when it lost at fifty, I thought it could be a slippery slope to forty, and they came back again. Yeah. So now you've got some support here under fifty. So a little bit different story. Apes, apes winning with the Friday afternoon trade. Good job. It looked a little hairy there for a minute there, but uh, yeah, we 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 appeared. It looked like I had it perfectly timed. <laughs> it felt like it wanted to sell off, and it did. Um, and it did have a significant sell-off. It sold off 10%, um, but it got it back. So this stock just doesn't go away. Yeah. Most uh, impressive, as Darth Vader would say. Most impressive. Most All impressive. Right. Dennis, I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to bring on Blue Putnam, uh, Managing Director and Chief Economist at the CME Group. Blue, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, wait, you're on mute. Got to unmute your mic there. Let's fix that. There we go. There we go. Good morning. Good morning, Blue. How are we doing today? We're doing really well. Good. Good to hear your voice. Good to see your face. Uh, let's start with the number from Friday. Um, thoughts? Well, I think that's the last great number. <laughs> you know, the last great number. What do you mean? What I mean is that uh, you know the uh, seasonally adjusted payroll number was really good. Uh, the uh, Household employment survey was not good. Uh, the unemployment rate ticked up, but those aren't real. Those are the numbers. What's really happening is the second half of the year is going to be very, very different than the first half. Second half, we're trying to get the last 30% of those jobs back. The first 70% of jobs lost in the pandemic, they've come back. And they've come back because people went back to their old jobs. 
The next 30%, these people are, hey, I've been uh, furloughed for 15 months. You call me back. What do you think? I'm listening by the phone. I'm doing other things. I'm thinking about my career, my future. Uh, and we know that from the quits data, too. A lot of people are quitting their jobs, and those people have jobs, so they are confident they can get other jobs. So we're in a whole different situation in the labor market for the second half of the year. Uh, it's not. We're not going to get jobs back as fast in the second half. Is that necessarily a good or uh, a bad thing, or 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 no? Well, you know, when you get your PhD in economics, they train you not to make value judgments, which most economists forget as soon as they leave school. But you know, I don't think it's a good or bad thing. It's just a symbolism when you go through a big crisis like we've been through the pandemic. I mean, everything's changed. We're coming back, but we're not coming back the way we were. It's natural for people to rethink everything. Corporations have different business models. I mean, one of the reasons people aren't going back, you know, thinking about their jobs is that a lot of corporations have learned to do with less people. Uh, they, they still need to hire some more, that's for sure. But they can still, uh, you know, they, they've implemented some labor-saving technology. They've got a different business model. Uh, people are thinking the same way about their jobs. So it's not a good or a bad thing. It's a reevaluation. Okay. Uh, and then as far as overall economy, I mean, you said you, you, you've got some uh, dark horse thoughts on the economy. The, I, I don't even know what to say the consensus is because, I mean, the consensus would seem to be the economy is is ripping, but then you get for for every time you hear that, you get people saying, "Oh, well, it's not as strong as the numbers would appear." So, I'm, like, where are we right now? I, I don't even know. Well, again, I, I think people have a tendency to analyze with old models and old ways of thinking, and we're not in that situation. We we had this shock. We're coming out of the shock. Uh, if, if you're doing it the old way, you're going to get it wrong. So, what I, what do I mean by that? The second quarter GDP number comes out at the end of July. It's going to be the best one since, I don't know, the early 80s. Uh, I don't know, 8%, 9%, 10% annualized rate. Uh, but that's our rebound number. That's the yep. reopening number. After that, we're going to slow down. Um, now, we're still going to grow. We're coming out of this. So it's all good news. It's just the uh, the glass isn't overflowing. It's just about two-thirds full. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and then what about you know, the interest rate environment. There was a change in the dot plot after the most recent Fed meeting, and they uh, maybe moved up the uh, timeline a little bit here for a rate hike. A couple of Fed, uh, uh, Fed speakers came out and said, oh, yeah, inflation, it's, it's a little higher than we, we maybe we thought it was going to be, um, but we still think it's temporary. The thoughts on the rate hike and, and when we could be seeing that and, and what that would do to, to, to the market. Well, there are a couple of really key things to keep in mind. The Federal Reserve Board and FOMC that is providing guidance today is not going to be the Federal Reserve Board and FOMC that decides when to taper off quantitative easing and when to do the rate hike. Uh, there's one opening on the Fed Board right now. That's actually Janet Yellen's old seat. It never got filled. So Biden will probably fill that in the second half of the year. And then there are two... Um, the chairman, uh, Jay Powell's term as chairman runs out in at the end of January 2022. Um, the, the vice chairman for supervision's term as that job runs out. Now, their, their terms on the board extend longer than that. 
But, uh, you know, typically if you're not reappointed into one of the vice chair chair seats, then you out of, a, you know, courtesy to your who's coming on, you um, you resign your seat. So we could have two or three changes at the board. And of course, the FOMC, the regional presidents turn over uh, several seats every year. So that happens in the end of January. So we're going to have a different Federal Reserve Board. And I just want to remind you. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the politics have changed. Um, under a President Obama, you know, we were digging out of a, the Great Recession and, uh, you know, you wanted to keep Fed policy as easy as you could for as long as you could. And certainly Jalen, Janet Yellen did that. And so did Jay Powell. Uh, under President Trump, you know, he's had a lot of experience with debt and he wanted to keep rates as low as possible. But now there's a strong sense that the politics in Washington wants to declare victory or at least to declare some successes. And actually, tapering quantitative easing and raising rates would be a hugely positive statement for the economy that the Fed was saying you no longer need to be in the intensive care unit. You don't need emergency help. So I think there's a lot of political pressure on the Fed to, to move that timing up a little bit on first uh, tapering quantitative easing. So the pressure there was you, you don't buy quite as many mortgages. They buy $40 billion a month. You slow that down. Then you slow the treasuries down and eventually you raise rates. But that is probably 2023. So, Blue, you said you've got, uh, and I'm going to quote you here, tons of controversial macro ideas. Maybe that was just one right there a little bit. Uh, but give us another one. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my big ones. Uh, the The other thing, uh, another one is that you got to be prepared as an economist that we're going to have very large increases in labor productivity. And, you know, typically, you know, increases in labor productivity are a good thing, but you need to decide what it means for the economy. Are most of those labor productivity increases coming from job saving technology, or do they really expand real GDP and do things for us in a longer run sense? Unfortunately, it's the mainly they save jobs type of, uh, technology that's being implemented here. So we're going to see a lot of increases in labor productivity. We're going to be very happy about that. But unfortunately, it means that we don't recover the jobs lost as fast as we might otherwise. Um, so it's a, you know, it's a two-edged sword on the on labor productivity front. Uh, Laurent is asking, I guess, the million-dollar question, the question that really that everybody that impacts everybody. The one that we all we all care about, whether you're an investor or not, is what about inflation? Just tell me <laughs> it's going to stop going up soon, please, dear God. <laughs> well, I will tell you that if you send me the million dollars, I'll give you a better answer. Um, but the, uh, you know, what we have, uh, we definitely have some serious temporary influences. We've had supply chain disruptions that were huge. And they came all over the place. And uh, as you mentioned just in the previous segment, a lot of commodities have peaked, came off, and then they kind of had a dead cap bounce, you know. I mean, lumber came off big time, bounced a little. Copper came off a little bit, bounced just even less. Gold's come off, bounced a little. Soybeans came off, bounced a little. Um, you know, we, we've seen the, the commodity markets are telling you that the reopening trade is pretty much done. And now we need another driver if we want to keep going. Now, to the inflation question, 
uh, we're probably stuck with some pretty high CPI numbers for the next four or five months uh, before we see that tapering off. These supply disruptions take a quite a long time to get resolved, and they're happening at a time of the reopening of the, of the economy. So uh, hang on to your hats on the data that you're going to see over the next six months. But you should see a little decline in inflation as we go into 2022. Uh, and then, then, you know, we'll see where we take it from there. But uh, I, I do think that the, the worst numbers are over, but they're still going to stay pretty elevated for a while. Elevated compared to historical benchmark of 2%, but um, not runaway, right? Right. Well, we, we put a 5% handle on the CPI, but, you know, when you take out food and energy, it's not quite that high. Okay. Um, but it's still well above the 2%. I mean, it's got a 3% handle. So, okay. um, you know, but, you know, if you go long run, 2024 and out, you know, so we're, we're getting into the area where our crystal ball is a little muddy for sure. Yeah. If my short term one would clear. But anyway, um, the, uh, you know, you need a driver to create inflation. The, the fiscal policy responses to the pandemic are one offs. They're not going to happen again. You know, it, it, we, we get an infrastructure deal. It's going to be spread over eight or 10 years. It's not going to be a one-year pop. Any future things are going to get paid for. Oh, by the way, speaking of paying for fiscal plans, sorry for this slight diversion, but one of the big things the equity markets and the bond markets are going to have to deal with in August and September is the debt ceiling is going to be back. Back in 2018, uh President Trump signed a debt ceiling. I thought, we were done, I thought we were done with the debt ceiling. We're not. We're never done with the debt ceiling. Uh -huh. And, it, you know, it, it is one of those silly things in which uh, the government spends the money and then decides it won't pay for it. Uh, and back uh, back in the, you know, I don't know, I think it was the 70s. But when Dick Gephardt was uh, the uh, majority leader in the in the House, he had a rule that if you pass any legislation to spend something, you automatically raise the debt ceiling to cover. It was the most rational thing. Uh, Dick Gephardt ran for president a couple of times, never got anywhere, but he was totally rational. <laughs> anyway, we don't have that in, in politics in Washington anymore. So the debt ceiling is back. And by the way, in 2018, it was a bipartisan deal to suspend, keyword here, suspend the debt ceiling. They didn't raise it because they didn't raise it. The Republicans had done a tax cut. And of course, the deficit was bleeding all over the place. And they didn't want to say, well, we need to raise the debt ceiling. And the Democrats said, no, we don't want to deal with the debt ceiling until after the election. So we're happy to do a bipartisan deal here. So they did. And on July 31st, the suspension of the debt ceiling ends. And let me tell you, we are way above the old debt ceiling. <laughs> so you know, we're going to get a deal out of Washington. They're going to figure this out. But they they have trouble figuring this out during the summer vacation months. Uh, so um, we're back to uh, back to this old movie. I, I recommend you, you know, you can review some of the old segments on your YouTube. Uh, it'll get resolved, but uh, it's, it's going to be uh, you guys are going to have to spend a couple of days talking about it. It will involve equities and bonds. I'd really rather not do that. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Blue, before I let you go here, is there any specific area of the economy sector that you have your eye on that you think is, um, it, it may be mispriced or people are not recognizing uh, what's really happening out there or what? 
Well, let's go global here for this last little bit. Um, I think that, you know, all of us, I, you know, the, one of the previous experts was talking about pent-up demand. I definitely want to go out to eat. I want to travel. I want to do some things. But the fact is the pandemic is still with us. The virus is still with us. We may be beating it in parts of the United States, but not other parts. Yeah. But Europe, Europe really depends on tourism to no small degree. It, and uh, until they get international air travel, they're not going to be back. Japan is doing the Olympics right now. And man, there's controversies all over the place. And then there are the countries that did a really great job on preventing the virus getting into their country by early lockdowns. But those countries are relatively unvaccinated. I'm talking about Australia um, and others. And so we are not out of COVID-19 controlling the economic narrative. I think all of us, myself included, would like to be out of it. But if you if you you have to really still focus on the parts of the world that are struggling with COVID nineteen, what is the important economic impact there? And um, this is going to be particularly important for exchange rates uh, as to which countries can are going to like show some progress or otherwise. You know, if we got international air travel back, the euro the euro would come back. But that's an open question. You know, yeah. so. That's my that's kind of my message is that COVID-19 is not gone as a primary factor just because the U.S. is reopening. All right. Uh, this last one is from the chat here. Sherrod is asking for your thoughts on the housing market. Please just tell me it's going to cool off a little bit for speaking as someone who doesn't own a house. <laughs> well, if you don't own a house, first of all, the housing market is bifurcated all over the place, depending on where you are. Uh, you probably have a six to nine month window to buy something in a downtown housing area. Certainly you could, uh, there, you know, so the market's changing in some other places. Uh, lumber prices have come off big time. I mean, yeah. they're still well above what they were two years ago, but they're 50% lower than what they were three or four months ago. So, you know, the housing prices... Uh, if you wanted to move, uh, you probably can or did. Uh, let's do the past tense on that. Uh, but in the in the return to the office mentality that a lot of companies have, going back to the city centers, uh, you're going to have to reevaluate, you know, your own work situation. So I do think that the uh, the housing market has probably peaked in areas that it was zooming because of COVID. Uh, and, and that we are in that resolution phase now where we're trying to figure things out. But, uh, you know, we're not all going back to the office. I mean, I'm going back to the office, but not five days a week, <laughs> you know, uh, but I'm a research guy. So, you know, I can like do that almost anywhere. But, uh, yeah, the housing market has probably peaked, but don't expect it to drop off any kind of cliff. All right. Blue Putnam has been our guest for the past 15, 17 minutes. He is the managing director and chief economist at the CME Group and one of my favorite guys to talk to. I know you could do this all day, Blue, but I will let you go. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Always right. fun. Always a pleasure. Blue Putnam, everyone. Uh, guys, guys, great. Guy can talk about anything and everything related to the economy. Love getting his his perspective on things. All right, it's nine seventeen here. Uh, here's what will happen. I'm going to wrap up this show in about five or six minutes, and then David Green, who uh, was off our stream last week doing some stuff for his uh, boot camp, will be back with us this morning. Live trading at the open, beginning at around nine twenty-five a.m. Eastern time until around eleven o'clock, and after that, we've got Spax Attack. 
We've got the Power Hour, which is going to go for two hours today because uh, no get technical this week. So we've got the Power Hour at noon. Uh, Matt Hammond will join us at 1 o'clock to preview the week in IPOs. Uh, we've got uh, the Crypto Show at 2, Biotech Buys, the At The Close Show with myself and Joel, Money Mitch, uh, Cannabis Insider. I keep forgetting today is Tuesday. I'm going to look at my calendar. Cannabis Insider, uh, After Hours with Ryan Rose Biani at 5 o'clock, Trading Nomadic at 7 o'clock, and we're going to do a late-night Benzinger Pro demo tonight at 8 o'clock p.m. That's the schedule. It can be found on our uh, Twitter account, twitter.com slash Benzinga. We post the schedule there every single morning. Uh, okay, what else did I want to do? Oh, yeah. Um, while we were on with Blue, I, I, I saw the Wish headline, right, that they got the okay uh, they were granted a payment institutional license for the European Union. It's the first step for them, I guess, in expanding into Europe. So WISH traded up on that headline, up about 4.7% in the pre-market session this morning. I'm trying to think, what other news did I miss while we were on with Blue? Uh, I don't think I missed too much uh, as far as market moving. I know there are some more tickers in chat we didn't get to. I apologize. I've written a few of them down. We'll cover them if we can at the At The Close show at uh, 3.30. If you have any SPACs questions, obviously save them for SPACs attack, right? 11 o'clock. Don't ask me. Ask Chris and Mitch. They know infinitely more about this stuff than I do. Um, What else did I want to say? Someone asked earlier about how my K-Web is doing. Yeah, I'll be honest with you guys. I am strongly considering selling today I this is just this is BS this is this is BS okay this is a Chinese internet ETF this is I I, I want no part of this I, I want I, I've owned this thing for for several years and for several years it, it really didn't do anything and then only only uh, in you know last last year uh, early this year did it really start ripping but I'm pissed. I want no part of 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 what they're doing over there. They just manipulate the crap out of these stocks, and 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 I I I, I don't want that. So I am I I have not sold, but I am strongly considering selling just because this is just smells fishy to me. You know, I just I just don't want to deal have to deal with this in my portfolio. Um. Okay, what else do we have here? Catching up on chat. Um, I think that was about it. So a uh, couple things, as always. Uh, please remember. Oh, where where he sold it? You sold K Web. See that that makes me see. See now, what I want is I want someone to tell me not to do it because I'm leaning towards doing it. I, I need someone. I always want someone to talk me out of whatever I'm gonna do. If if I'm gonna buy something, I want them to talk me out of it. If I'm gonna sell something. I want them to talk me out of it. So if someone wants to talk me out of that, I would appreciate that because I, I always want to hear the other side of the coin. Okay. Uh, that being said, yeah, wait till, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sell at the open, right? I'm not going to throw an order out there right now and sell at the open. I, I will wait. Here's a here's a 15-minute chart in this morning. Uh, so we're down almost 3%. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, yeah, I just can't take it, Wary. I can't take it. You know, it's just, it, it, it's, it's BS. Sorry. Um, determine the level. I haven't determined the level to get out. I, yeah, I'm sort of moving a little irrationally this morning, but I'll update you guys later on in the day what I end up doing. But, 
this has been a longer term holding of mine and I am sick and tired of it now. Okay. Uh, please remember all the information from our show and all of our shows on this channel meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. Thanks to both our guests today, Michelle Krebs from Cox Automotive and Blue Putnam from the CME Group. Um, Benzinga Pro, guys. Pro.benzinga.com. Free two-week trial. Promo code at the bottom of the screen there. YouTube 20 will get you 20% off any level of a Benzinga Pro subscription. That's the platform up on the screen. Check it out there. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other housekeeping items I wanted to cover to know yeah this show is always available as a podcast guys i don't say that enough but all of our shows actually are available or not all but most are available as a podcast this one included if you prefer podcasts spotify we're on itunes we're on stitcher we're on TuneIn, we're on google every major podcast platform just search for pre-market prep or benzinga and you will find this podcast there also speaking of podcasts uh producer ab and i do a daily podcast um during the weekdays, it's just a quick five-minute or less podcast where we just recap the biggest news from the previous day. Uh, goes out every every morning at around 9.25, I think, 9.30, or, or around the opening bell. And it's called a Ring the Bell. Um, so, again, you can search for that as well. Check it out. Uh, we are... Uh, it's pretty casual. It's just it's just AB and I just talking about the biggest stories of the day for, for five minutes, and we really do try to keep every single show down to less than five minutes. So Ring the Bell is the name of that podcast. Um, okay, I'm going to be done here. David Green's going to hop on in a minute. This stream will redirect to David's stream, so you don't have to do anything or go anywhere. Um, if you haven't dropped us a like, I would greatly appreciate that. I have not really prompted for likes so much today. How many likes were you at? Um, if you, whoops, we are at, oh, not even 300. Can you get me to 300 likes? I would appreciate it very, very much. It, it, it just, it's, it's your way of showing you support us, right? The stuff is out there for free and likes show your support and, um, just an easy way to do that. So I'd appreciate that. We all would here at Benzinga. Uh, there we go. 300, the magic number. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, uh, you can subscribe to our channel and get alerted whenever we go live. And that is another way to show your support. We appreciate that. It is 925. On that note, I'm going to hop off. David Green's going to hop on. And I'll see you guys a little bit later. Good luck at the Open. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.